When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adventurers, okay, back to Proving Grounds 5. Scrolling down. The next adventure is The Long Shadows. Please note for a verbatim recap of what Helen told you regarding the reason for her visits and events surrounding the disappearance of Widow, please refer to her adventure log under events and then under terrific. As your journey gets underway, Helene continues to speak to you telegraphically. You respond to her infrequent inquiries by nodding and shaking your head. And your conversation passes without anyone else on the coach realising it. Helene tells you that shadow magic involves the direct interaction with the world of shadows. Shadows from people, objects, anything really echoes a voice in the mind. It's a mysterious craft to be sure, but it's not evil, for without light, in total darkness, there are no shadows. I know you're not versed in this class, but but should there prove to be time, I shall see to it that you are acquired, so it will make things a bit easier later on. As Helene continues to learn that shadow mages draw their power from the shadows around them, you also learn that as shadows meld into other shadows, the potency of a mage's power increase, dramatically increases. The greatest power used by the shadow mage is the knowledge provided by the shadows with which the mage interacts, she says. A web of shadows may run the length of a womb and for the city street, or may carry on faster sight, knowing to hear through walls or peer through closed doors, hundreds perhaps even thousands of leagues distant. Even thoughts are not always safe from shadows. The coach patches along the narrow section of forest road, though acutely aware of the shadows of the overhanging branches as they dance across the floor of the cabin. Helene takes notice of your interest in shadows and nods approvingly. You are right to be wary of them, she says in your mind, referring to the shadows and the poor calling attention. Shadows are employed for purposes both good and ill, and they are not concerned with the motives of their masters. Elaine's eyes fall to the shadows of the trees, moving back and forth across the floor of the coach. Someone a thousand miles away might now be receiving word from the shadow of a candle flickering on a table that we're 
passing along this very stretch of road on a coach bound for Talinus. An alarming thought, most certainly. But not out of the realm of possibility, I can assure you. What, what, what? Oh, wait, is this... Oh. Uh, that looks like the internet's gonna messed up again. Okay, gotta stop it now. Okay, and... Back. Clicking. Suddenly, the coach lurches for a stop, and you hear the driver shout. So, dis a, dis a greeting to someone. Peering out of the window, you see a group of four border wagers moving up to the coach from the side of the road. The foremost of the wagers appear to be asking the driver whether or not he spotted any travellers on the road this morning. Okay, next, next section. Ah. Uh, yep, yep, I'm waiting for the next. The lead border ranger steps forward and places his hand on the edge of the wagon as he continues to speak to the driver. In the moment the shadow of his hands meets the shadow cast by the driver, Lane's face grows dim. We're in great danger. She hisses, her voice echoing your mind. I'm told these men are not rangers. They seek us. We should have expected this. Before you could even react to what she has revealed, a long armoured shadow shakes into the cabin, wraps itself around you, lifting you out of your seat and tearing you from your coach. The other passengers scream in horror and flee wildly as you are raised into the air by a powerful shadow. Powerful shadow, and then slammed into the ground with tremendous force. I just lost seven health. The shadow that envelops you suddenly releases its grip, leaving you weaving in pain on the ground just outside the coach. Standing over you, his, his heavy leather boots on either side of your waist, is the border ranger who only moments ago was speaking with the driver. It's the man's voice, not his face, that you instantly recognised. Where is Wundrill? He growls, though his face is sunken, and he is much taller than you recall. With little doubt that the voice of the man standing over you is that of Putzwin, the man you met while recovering Elaine's missing bracelet. You know now, though, according to what was imparted to you by Helene back in the sword, they caused the crest. This man is not Persuin. The cold gaze fixed on you from above belongs to Trelock, the, the man that Helene called the most dangerous man you have ever met. The coach suddenly lurches forward and speeds off down the road as the brooder's driver attempts to pass up, catch up with its fleeing passengers. Fortune visits you again, friend, snarls Trelock, his hand moving to the hilt. The sword hanging by his sides. I'll give you one more chance to answer me. Where is Wundrill? You stare up, 
the pair of cool, hard eyes peering down at you. They're the eyes of a merciless killer. You turn to find Helene struggling to free herself from the grip of the other three men. Trelock Max. She can't help you at the moment, he grins, prodding you with the toe of his boot as you lie on the ground beneath him. Now, tell me where Wundle the Rat has hidden himself. Realise that to have any chance to defend yourself, you must frequently free yourself from the hopeless position you're in. So, I could use unarmed combat, thievery, or telekinesis. Which one? Unarmed combat. Successfully used. 32 XP to that. A swift and unexpected roll, coupled with a solid strike to the inside of Trellux then, allows you to escape from beneath your attacker. Managed to get back on your feet, narrowly avoiding a nasty blow from Trelock in the process. Trelock grins and is, and is reaching for his sword when a fiery blast from behind nearly tears through his shoulder. He drops to his knees but slowly returns to his feet. You turn to see Helen standing over her free assailants, their entwined bodies covered by a thick, shadowy web. Her hand is still outstretched in Trelloc's direction, having dust livered him the potent bolt of magical flame. Helen shouts for you to flee at once as he turns and dashes along the road. Trelloc still seems shaken by a surprise attack. And he appears to be regaining his senses. Okay, I'll, I'll flee. Because she knows this stuff better than I do. Heeding Helene's warning, you turn and flee along the road after her. You've taken less than two dozen steps when a stabbing pain shoots through your head, accompanied by the echoing voice of Trumplock. At least allow me to bid you farewell. This is the angry voice of your foe in your mind. A series of shooting pains erupt through your head. Treyarch is attacking you psionically. Right, pick a number. Bonus of 80. 20 from mind, 40 from spirit, 20 from more. See what, what happens. You cry out in agony as fiery knives stab into your mind. The pain is more than you can bear. You quickly stumble and collapse to your knees. I took 89 damage. Okay, I'm going to heal that right now. Healing, healing. Healed. Breathless, still in agony, but miraculously alive. You regain your feet and stagger off in pursuit of Halen, who's already taken flight. You fly along the road as fast as your legs will allow, barely managing to keep pace with Helen. Those feet seem to float above the uneven ground. Much to your relief, though you find it somewhat strange, Trelloc does not seem interested in taking up pursuit. You glance back over your shoulder as you flee, note you're standing at the edge of the road, apparently content to watch your flight. With no alternative of hand, you and Helene continue in the direction the coach was headed, moving cautiously along the edge of the forest road. Turk would not let us escape if he were without hope of finding us again, was Helene. His command of the shadows was great, and there may be no move we can make that will be hidden from him. Apparently, though, he is, he's not been so fortunate in his search for a window. Why that is, it's hard to say. 
but it bodes well for us for now. Aline steps to the edge of the forest and places her hand on the rough bark of a leaning maple. You watch as she slides her hand into a pool of shadow cast by a neighbouring hardwood. There is danger all around us, she says, her eyes closed, as if she's listening to voices that you are unable to hear. Some of the danger is yet many miles away, though some of it is close at hand. I must not delay. The shadows tell me the danger is moving in on us. That's the scenario finished for 64 XP to general. Alright, on to the next one. The Road to Talinus, waylaid in White Bell. The end of the scenario. Okay. Please note, for a recap of the previous portions of this Proving Grounds event, please refer to Proving Grounds 5 for Silver Quest, the event section of your adventure log, under Trithic. It is late afternoon when you and Halem arrive in the small town of Whitebell. A white-haired watchman, seated on a large flat stone next to the road, greets you with a friendly wave as the two of you warily proceed along the town's narrow main thoroughfare. You inquire about the coach about coach passage down and it's only discovered that the coach, likely the one you were previously passengers on, has already passed through. Another isn't expected for two days. Something in there should suit us, says Helene, grabbing your arm and pointing across the thoroughfare to the stables. Let me see how much they they get for hate hate hooves in White Bell. She proceeds along the road and strides up to the stable. You trail closely behind her, your eyes alert for the first sign of danger. As Aiden pulls open the main door of the stable, his broad shadow melts into her own and a horrified look washes over her face. Zoop! Duck! she cries, as a near-shattering blast of lightning tears out the shadowy interior of the bar. Slamming into her and landing on her back, almost ten yards from where she was standing, before you can rush to her aid, three masked men loop, leap out, leap down from inside the stable, each of them bearing long iron wads, the tips of which are entwined with lightning. You quickly position yourself to face them one at a time. Face a masked assailant. Your master attacker swipes at you with lightning stick. Oh, I go into battle rage. I'm just trying to get to places. Ah. 38 XP. The master assailant melts into a pool of shadow and slivers off into the gloom. Before you've had time to collect your wits, the second of these dangerous foes is upon you. Alright, fight the master assailant once more. Your master attacker swipes at you with his lightning stick. Tines of blue lightning strike out at you. Strike, strike you as your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack for 12 damage. Alright, fighting, fighting, slay. 38 experience once more. The second master sailor melts into a puddle of shadow and slivers off into the gloom. You step forward and prepare to face the last of these dangerous foes. Ooh. The master Saka swipes at you with his lightning stick. Thines of blue lightning strike you as your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack for 10 damage. 
Alright, oh, a deadly energy attack for 9 damage. And is slain. Another 38 experience. The last master sailor melts into shadow and is gone. You rush to Helene's side, but she's already back on her feet and appears to have suffered no serious lasting effects for the powerful blast of lightning she has endured. Soup! She suddenly gasps, motioning to the far wall of the stable. You turn and watch in horror as two massive and fearsome shadows begin to rise out of the larger gloom pool of gloom at the base of the wall. The shadows quickly take on the shape of large, horned, clawed beasts. Shadow beast, she cries, moving over to position herself to face the one in the white. We're not out of this danger yet. Okay, there's a link for shadow beasts. Shadow beasts. These fearsome creatures of shadow usually only appear at the summons of a powerful shadow mage. They normally appear in the form of a giant shadow or hulking clawed beast. They're extremely powerful and at times immune to the effects of magic. I'll just have to bash them now. You prepare, you prepare yourself to face the shadow beast on the left. Alright. The shadow beast wars as it swipes out at you with its clawed hand of shadow. You feel weak as your opponent drains energy from your body. Don't do that. I need my energy. It is slain. 38 XP. The shadow beast recedes back into the shadows against the barn wall and disappears into the gloom. You turn to find that Helene has already defeated the beast against which she was pitted. The poor man didn't stand a chance, says Helene, pointing out the body of a man in the far core of the stable. The man's body is almost entirely charred. And you're both certain as he met his fate at the hands of the masked man you, men you just defeated. Wasting no time, the two of you pick out the two best looking mares from the woe's stores and saddle them up. Helene removes a sizable cloth pouch from her waist and tosses the gold the gold filled purse onto the stable floor. For the horses and his families, he says, nodding you. Now, Soup. I need not tell you the danger we're in if we linger here. Let's go. You mount your horse and follow Helene out of your stable. Once on the town's main thoroughfare, the two of you urge your steeds into a gallop, passing out of White Belt to the east, like a wash of wind. Your mare, by far the swifter of the two horses, quickly assumes the lead in the hasty flight. Helene catches up, up to you on the outskirts of town, Tells you that, that about three miles ahead, three miles ahead, the road will fork. We'll take the left fork. She shouts at the frantic beat of your steed's hooves. We don't know much about the way, but it will take us through some fairly desolate country. Whether that place takes us out of danger, places us deeper into it, I can't say. Sooner than you had expected, the fork in the road looms into view, and the two of you veer your horses to the left. We'd, better, we'd best slow them down for a bit, she says, taking a horse out of its gallop. These two need to alas us to tell us, or at least until we can get our hands on some fresh ones. You slacken the pace of your mare as well. Don't know about you, Zoop, says Helene, casting a sideways glance at you, her face adorned with a broad smirk. But I could make do with fewer of those masked men with, those, with the lightning sticks. 
thought that first blast in a barn was going to be ended for me. Seven centuries almost came to a close in a barn. Not quite the way I've planned it out. That finishes that scenario for 128 experience to general. Alright, on to the next one. That's 10 scenarios finished so far. Alright, next up is The Road to Talinus. The Lights of Sagemorn. Alright, oh, it's got the same, the same message at the start of the scenario as the previous two. Heading north through the desolate corner of the, of the countryside, making good progress, you and Helene decide to ride through the night, taking advantage of the cover of darkness. Oddly enough, we are safer in the dark, she says. The long shadows of dusk and those of dawn present more peril than the blackened night. For several hours, your journey along the road proceeds without incident. And much to your surprise, it's a welcome change, your conversation with Helene is not focused on the task immediately at hand. Wait a minute. Could it be? Could, could it be that at night, half the world, well, the entire hemisphere you're on, is one massive shadow of the entire planet? Oh, God, no. In which case, uh, we'd already be dead. You converse with her on a wide variety of subjects, particularly interested in hearing account, hearing you recount your latest adventures. Yes, yes. Do you know that dragon I helped out? Sure it would be nice if she turned up now. The night tanks takes a turn for the worst as a series of violent thunderstorms roll in and quickly envelop you. The bright flashes, which seem to illuminate the countryside for miles around, and reverberating roar of the accompanying thunder serve to make your skis almost dangerously skittish. We should find shelter, at least, until this passes. The poor beasts seem ready to die, suggests Elaine. The poor beasts seem ready to die of fright. Wouldn't mind a bit of sleep myself. As soon as you've spoken these words, a series of lights loom into view along the road ahead. This must be the town of Sagemorn, says Helene, practically shouting above the din of thunder and the splattering of rain on the road. I didn't know we were so close to it, but it's certainly a welcome sight now. Helene urges her horse to pick up its pace and you follow suit, but as you draw nearer to the row of lights, you quickly realise... They are not at all what you expected. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. The road ahead appears impassable. A dozen armed militiamen, thoroughly drenched by the downpour, stand in the middle of the road. Several of them hold hooded lanterns, and one of them wields a crossbow, which, much to your horror, is trained on you. That's far enough, says one of the men, stepping forward as you draw to within ten yards of the apparent blockade. We've no use for murderers in Sagemorn. The two of you had best throw down your weapons and dismount. Any trickery we're... And within our rights to levy justice here and now. Order to orders to take and hold the two of you. You tell the men you must... They must have confused you with someone else. To are here on an urgent errand and merely passing through. 
Seems as like as not you'll spin such a tale, says the lantern bearing man. Save your breath, friend. The rain winters were through here no more than two hours back. They told us what to expect coming up our way. And it was you. Now, throw down your weapons and dismount. Beyond the blockade, you can clearly make out the dark outlines of the buildings. Make up the centre of the small town of Sagemore. Trelock, echoes the voice of Helene in the mind. His board ranger's wax seems to have again done the trick. Slightly employed his powers of charm to secure the believability of his claim. Slightly we can reason them, but I'll not have the blood of these innocent men on my hand. For a dozen strong, the men seem reluctant to immediately approach you. Give you much needed pause to determine your neck. Next course of action. I could just get past them, subdue them, or attempt to convince the men you're not murderers. I'll go for the middle option. You launch into a quick explanation of your recent trials. Do you leave up much that's not concerned these simple folks? I hope it will soften their stance. Men listen, they're quite guardedly. As they tell, they have been tricked by a wicked mage who is pursuing you, lame, for his own dire purposes. Right, pick a number, bonus of 87. 68 from Diplomacy, 19 from Luck. Let's just see what. Yeah, 145. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His story convinces the men. They apologise to you and Helene, admitting they're ashamed to have been tricked in such a fashion. The men immediately tells, tells that they should bear no shame. The man who deceived them is a dangerous mage, a master of trickery, who likely employed magic to pull off his deception. His name is Trelock, and if he returns, you must avoid him at all costs, urged Helene. The two, as the dozen men clear the middle of the road, allowing the two of you to pass through. It's not likely he will back for his eyes he's after, but if he does, do not present yourself as easy targets for his wicked ploys. Other men told you that Trelock and the men with him passed out of town and took the white fork in the road. Helene thanks them for the information, and the two of you take your horse into a swift shot. She moved past the men and pa pass through Station. Once beyond the town limits, she break into a gallop, speeding off under the flashing, bursting sky. Sagemore rapidly recedes into the darkness behind you, and within only a few minutes, in fact, yourself, yourself approaching a fork in the road, the road splits to the right and the left, with no sign of any other indication to where it might lead. So I can use, so I can go left or I can go right. Woodmanship and divination can help me. I'll use woodmanship. Proceeded. You slip down from the shadow and make a close examination of the wet ground, not far away. You discover several sets of, of hook prints headed down the white force. The tracks have clearly been washed clean by the way, which only they're less than two hours. No, knowing knowing the white fork is the more likely path to danger, you must now decide which fork which to choose to take. Okay, I'll take the left fork then. Take the left fork without hesitation, and Lane follows. Not long after the road splits, you cross a narrow stone beach spanning a washing stream, 
a pass in a, into an area of hilly meadows broken at odd intervals by patches of thick, tangled wood. Realising that, at the moment, Brennus is perhaps your greatest enemy, the two of you select a dense section of forest out of sight from the road and find a clear spot where you hope to be able to steal a couple of hours west. Confident that you're far removed from Sagehorn, you settle down for a spell of much-needed slumber. You stir from your sleep by Helene's hand on your shoulder. She tells you dawn is now only two hours distant. I've slept just a little, she confesses, as the two of you gather your belongings and prepare to resume your journey to Talos before light. My mind has been plagued by visions both numerous and terrible. I would have thought them to be nightmares had I been in sleep. Sleep scripts. They're more like messes from afar, though I can only guess as to who has sent them. Rasko to detail the vision she has had, as he seems almost reluctant to do so. Last, upon your insistence, she relents. The vision I had was of your three fellow members of the Silver Crest, she confesses. Iskritar and Privin are still in pursuit of Windor, but the search has taken them far from the world of Twithic. Can only tell, tell you what I felt by serving them, Soup. It not seem to me they were merely looking for Windor. All indications were they were hunting him, as a hunter stalks his prey. Your heart skips a beat at her revelation, which quickly attempts to relay her fears. Visions I have are not always what they seem. At times they are true, but at other times they are misleading. What well, I, I have seen what I have seen, and for now we must leave it at that. What it means I cannot say, but I certainly as feel. As if there was a great deal we do not know about the business we find ourselves in the middle of. Our variant remains the same, however. I dare say the sooner we find near it, the better off we all are likely to be, all of us. You leave the woods and return to the road, eager to continue the journey to Talos, and put aside, for the, well, at least for the moment, the terrible thoughts that Helene's vision has conjured up. Haven't mentioned it yet, she says. She mounts her horse and urges the somewhat refreshed animal onto the road. But we'll actually be heading for a small village named Muip, west of Talos. We may find ourselves in the great city before all is said and done. You nod as you climb onto your mare and gently guide her in onto the road. First time since you left with it, you're beginning to have reservations about this entire affair. Though you can't yet place your finger on anything in particular. Something about all this just, 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 just doesn't, doesn't seem quite right. You silently vow not to relax your guard. And that finishes this scenario with 128 experience to general. I'm now fully healed. And on to the next one. The road to Talinus. A narrow escape. For two days, your thankfully uneventful journey takes you through an area of sparsely inhabited countryside. Every so often, you pass through a village on the outskirts of a small, or the outskirts of a small town, where you manage to rest and refresh your horses, but you never linger for longer than necessary. Now and again, you meet travellers on the road, but none that arouse suspicion or cause you any reason for alarm. 
after two days of the interlink, perhaps were no longer being pursued. Elaine says she hopes you're right, and she admits she is not quite so confident. It is early morning on the third day since the encounter, Sage Morn, where a curious sight looms into view around the bend in the road ahead. Brightly coloured flags and painted wagons appear ahead as you approach. Realise that some sort of fair or festival is setting, setting up in a pair broad grassy fields that flank both sides of the road. Dozens of people move busily about. The many wagons line the road, and a myriad of tents have begun to spring up in both fields. Lane asked the old man at the edge of the road about it all, and he told you it is the annual pheasant festival of Hasburn. Alright. I'll, I'll see if I can find some provisions for us, she says, and she dismounts and tethers her horse to a post at the side of the road. You follow suit and tell her that you will remain here to watch the horses. A wise motion, she says, but also watch yourself. Not so sure we're out of harm's way yet. Lane has only been gone a few minutes when you suddenly catch sight of a young boar on your right, seated on the ground only a few yards away. Spreading out a circle of brightly coloured, glistening stones. Ready to swear that the boy wasn't there a moment ago. The sandy-haired lad, clad from head to toe in brilliant purple attire, calls you over and asks if you would allow him to foretell your future. These stones speak of things to come, she says. What do you say, mister? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to care to know about your future? No, our folks will be paying a gold token to hear theirs. Yours is at no cost. I'm uh, not sure about that voice. Amused, but though only moderately achieved, you agree to let the lad, the lad foretell your future. He grins and spreads out the stones before him, only the tips of his fingers over the shiny surfaces as he closes his eyes. Much of what the young showman has to say about the future seems to be in the form of broad generalisations could likely fit anyone's circumstances. We're quickly losing interest when suddenly his narrative broaches several key singular points with regard to your recent travels to avails. You listen with renewed interest to what he has to say. You are running, he says, with his eyes tightly shut. I see you running from someone, but you are not alone. A lady is with you, and you are searching for someone. Lloyd, but it's about a lost friend, or friends, believe them to be in danger, darkness, lost. See you in a high-walled city, running, running for your life, alone, terrified, clawing at a door, but it is not open. I see darkness turning to light, and the light growing dim, turning as dark as the dead of night. I can see nothing else. Oh dear, that looks, that looks like a prophecy, but maybe... The future can be changed? Well, it better be. The sound of Elaine's voice from behind breaks you away from the captivating, almost haunting narrative. Then turn to see your companion approaching with a cloth sap that is likely filled with provisions she sought. You turn back to ask the young man how he came to know this, and the shock to discover that he is gone. Where he sat only a moment ago, stand turns a man selling fruit out of several large baskets. In fact, he's standing directly next to the largest basket. 
quickly aside to say nothing to Elaine, Mullo over the lad's words as she returns to the horses and prepare to once again set out for Talinus. You ride out of Has Has Hasburn, leaving the festival behind, but find you unable to take your mind off the strange encounter with the young boy. The two of you only just passed round a bend in the road, about a mile from the festival, and you come upon a horrifying sight. A covered wagon, sides adorned with colourful bags, lies overturned in the middle of the road. Not far away, its two horses, detached and unharmed, stand at the edge of the road, gazing on the tall grass. The sound of a child crying draws your eyes to a small girl, lying near the wheel of the wagon. She stops and moans. You suddenly realise that one of her legs is trapped beneath the one of the wagon wheels. You leap from her side, leap from the shadow, closely followed by her leg. The two of you rush to her side. While you assess the situation, wondering how best to remove her from beneath the wagon's bolt, Helene suddenly gives you a startled cry. You look down and are horrified to see the young girl's body rapidly melting into shadow. Snared! Be on your guard, Soup! Echoes Helene's voice in your mind. You fall back from what is obviously a sinister trap. Oh, this again? Was this, this the fourth, fifth time? And Elaine joins retreat. Less than a moment later, six masked black cloaked figures bound out of the wet wagon, their gloved hands tightly gripping long iron wads, the end of which are entwined with lightning. Three of the masked men rub at Helene, leaving you to face the remaining trio. You hold your ground and bravely square off against the first of your three attackers. Yes, you might have, you were probably a man once, but I just go into battle rage as your master attacker swipes at you with his lightning stick. Battle rage, slain, 14 XP. The first of your master assailants melts into shadow and disappears, leaving you to face the second. The master attacker swipes at you with his lightning stick. Tines of blue lightning strike you as your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack for 13 damage. Another deadly energy attack for 12 damage, but is now slain. The second master attacker melts into shadow and vanishes, leaving you to face a third. It's the third master assailant. Oh, it's a deadly energy attack for 11 damage. But it's going down, it's going down, and is slain. 14 XP. With no trace of the six defeated master attackers remaining, you're about to suggest the two of you mount your horses and move off at once, when four more of your silent foes burst from the woods at the edge of the road. Two of the masked men, their lightning sticks poised to strike, move on to Helene, while the other pair quickly engages you. You square off against the first of your foes. It's another master assailant. Swipes with a lightning stick and is slain. The second of your masked assailants leaps forward, taking the place of his fallen cohort. There's another. There's another one coming up. Coming up. Yeah, here he is. 
fighting him, your master attacker swipes at you with his lightning stick. I'm really having an ooh deadly energy attack for 16 damage. I'm really getting quite quite irked all these master assailants. I mean that, that those could be added to the master assailants that I fought. That I fought him proving grounds one. Honestly. I'm going to develop a mask phobia at this weight. The last of your mass attackers melts into a pool of shadow at your feet. It moves with the shadow cast by an overhanging tree and disappears. Elaine defeated her pair of foes as well and arrives at your side. Relation is vic quick short-lived as two black-robed figures move out of the woods. The sinister figures seem to walk as their feet don't torch the ground. Sorcerer's soup, echoes the voice inside a head. But I'm sorely mistaken if they are among the living. These are amongst the worst of Trelok's confederates. Before either of you can act, the ghoulish world figures thrust forth their hands in unison, releasing two wide arcs of lightning at each of you. Oh, so I could use fortification, and once I learn shadow magic, I could use that. But, I don't know Shadow Magic yet, but I have a feeling I will learn it quite soon. So I'm going to use Fortification. Succeeded for 32 XP. Hastily summoned magical shield bends and quivers and absorbs the power of lightning bolts. You and Elaine survive the lightning attack unscathed. The two ghoulish sorcerers, as has been the case with all your enemies thus far, melt into shadow and disappear into the unbroken gloom of the forest. Cries in frustration, and Helene echoes your sentiment. Your heart sinks as another group of masked men emerge from the woods, each of them clutching in the now familiar lightning sticks. You count a dozen of them! Oh dear! I would say you saw what happened to the last of them but I don't think you have any will left with which to care Helene retreats to your side as the two of you prepare to make, make what will likely prove to be a final desperate stand against such overwhelming odds sudden rumble turns every head along the road Ooh. hurting along the road Four wheels rumbling as its twin twin horse team team pulled it straight for a group of masked men. It's a brightly decorated covered wagon. See another long plank stretch across the front of the wagon, which serves as a driver's seat. It is a diminutive figure clad in a grey cloak, its head covered by a thin cloth hood. And the driver furiously urges the horses onwards. It appears his every intention of ploughing through your assailant. The masked men quickly retreat, some of them disappearing back into the forest, while others melt into shadows and disappear. You and Elaine watch in amazement as the wagon speeds through the spot where your enemy stood only moments ago. As the wagon approaches, not slowing its breakneck space, the driver screams for the two of you to leap abroad. Elaine nods and the two of you prepare. To make the jump as the wagon hurdles past. 
You attempt to leap, leap aboard the speeding wagon as it passes by. So, I pick a number. Bonus 128. 20 from agility. 20 from might. 19 from luck. And 69 from D3. Let's hope that's enough. Pick the number. Yes! 145. You leap nimbly aboard the speeding wagon and find that Helene has also made it up safely. The wagon, with the mysterious driver furiously flicking the the wains continues to hurtle along the road. The, wa the wagon eventually slows, but, but continues to stroll along the road, and a diminutive wither tosses back the cloth hood covering his head to reveal the face of the young lad who just recently retold your for foretold your fortune in Husband. You will excuse such informality, he says, speaking in a man inconsistent with, and indeed well beyond his tender years. But there is little time to impart to you that which, which you should find most useful. Who it is you see it is not to be found in Mirop, says the lad, looking from you to Helene in turn. You must make for the village of Grinswick in the Sorrow Hills, east of Talinus. There you. How do you know who we see? Or that we are seeking anyone, says him. And how, how, are we, how are we to know we can trust you? For all I know, you may be in league with those who wish us no end of ill will. Well, their time might prove the belevance of my attention supplies. We must hurry, though. As quickly as you are closing on that you seek, the nets drawing ever close, ever in around you. Look for the bitter stag in Grimwick. Who are you? asks Helene, demeanour hardening. The young boy does not reply to her inquiry, but instead continues his curious narrative. From here to the city, to you, city, you move with great peril. Two apart may one less whisk than two aside. You pointedly ask the lad who he is and how he has come to know about your business and why he wishes to help you. Consider me a friend. He says, emphasising the word friend. No doubt I've, you've, you've run across too few of those thus far. And I dare say you could use one about now. A sudden violent jolt shakes the wagon and causes your heart to skitter a beat. Much to relief, it seems the wagon merely rolled over a small impression in the road. You turn, simultaneously with Helene, to begin to again address the lad, only to find he has again vanished. Elaine sighs. As if these waters needed more clouding, she says. Helene takes up the reins and quickly assumes control of the wagon. It tells you that your mutual mysterious friend seems to have suggested the two of you spit up and take different worlds to Grimwick's. But how did you know of Nerith? Indeed, what he means by who you seek, he says. For the moment I place his face, perhaps his voice. Yes, I could not. It will remain a mystery for now, it seems. Helene tells you that the village of Oxland should not be far ahead, and it, is, and it suggests a natural flight place for your past split. That's the course the two of you agree on. The road divides in Oxland. Part of it goes north, the other more or less north and east. There is wisdom in splitting Oxland. But I'd still like to know who our friend is who suggested it. It's late, it's late morning when you roll into Oxland and bring the colourfully adorned wagon to a halt with 
before the dilapidated village stables. Helene disappears in the stables, returns short while later to announce she has traded the wagon for two able riding horses. The stable master, a short, pleasant fellow, leads out the two steeds. You take the reins of the fine animal and follow Helene to a quiet spot on the main road leading through the village. Began to feel more uncertain about the endeavour than ever before, and the prospect of splitting up seems to only add a good deal of grimness to what is already a daunting task. A quick glance at Helene proves that you are not the only one with such reservations. We are caught alone with no escape, the answer is certainly bleak, she says, as if reading your thoughts. But even with our backs pressed together, we should hardly have hoped to survive the last engagement without the timely arrival of our unknown friend. Hmm. I see, I think I probably could have taken them. But, oh, you know, maybe more masked men would have come up, turned up. I mean, if it was a few, if it was a few dozen, it might have worn me down. It's unlikely in any case that they, they should find, or worse, Bring down both of these apart, at least that much, I pray. So at the safest course for seeing through the mission of fighting Nerith, both of you are now hoping he's in Grimwick's... Grimwick? Grimswick? He's to split up and make your separate ways to the small village. He's to take the road north of the town town, to the town of Tortinar, and then head northeast to Tatnus, and he will strike out on the road, leaving north east up here. Helene divides the prisoners she acquired in Hasper and gives half of them to you. In Tor, Tor Tinar, you should be able should be able to fetch passage to Talon as she tells you, she makes ready to park. Grimswick is east of the city, perhaps no more than half half a morning's journey. Remember, according to our mysterious friend, to seek out the bitter stack. It sounds like an alehouse to me. She steps forward and meets you in the shoulder cross. Sleep, keep well, Zoop. See you at the bitter stag. Without another word, she turns and mounts her horse and rides off, not once looking back. Your eyes follow and she shatters silence. Despite her parting words, with the inexplicable feeling you are seeing her for the very last time. That finishes this scenario with 128 experience to general. Let's see. Yeah, got enough time for the next one. The Road to Talonus. A step ahead. Alright, that's the next one. Begin the scenario. It is early afternoon when you arrive in Tortina, a small town bordered on the east, east and west by dense stretches of woods. Thankfully, the journey was uneventful. But you find all too, just said all too well that many lonely miles still separate you from Talonus and the village of Grimswick to the east. You inquire about coach passage to the capital city at the lo, at the local town, an impressive, wiry, squalid hole known as Scoundrel Lodge. The answer you receive from the thin, thin, largely unpleasant tavern keep is at best disheartening. Damakeep tells you the remains of the stage due to a arrival Talonus only yesterday. We discovered early this morning on the road east of town. 
Nothing much left of it, he says, doing his best to avoid eye contact with you. Just a pile of charred wood. No horses about. Like it's not someone took a torch to it and made off with the horses. Not the first time a state has come to woo in these parts. Though never in that fashion. Just made it the prospect of having to make the long journey by yourself. You're on your way out the tavern when you're approached by a slight man in a bright red tunic. He seems nervous and is introducing himself as Colmere and asks to have a word with you. You know that Colmere has a wagon load of goods he needs to transport to Townless. He has been afraid to go, go alone ever since he heard the morning's news about the destroyed coach. I just stopped over here, having come down from up north. Good thing I did, did too. Might have easily met the same fate as the stage. Come rise you, curiously, the last heresy. I won't pretend that I don't know, don't know who you are, Soup, he says. More like you rather stand out amongst ordinary folk. Be honoured and forever grateful to share the road to Talonus aboard my wagon. Despite, despite the man's apparent nervous nature, Intic tells you that it's likely to she says it's like this roof. With no interest in making the journey alone on horseback, you accept the offer. Colomar is visibly relieved and he tells you that you immediately prepare the wagon. If we leave soon, we can make make the village of Duracell before dark. With or without you, Soup, I've little liking the idea of travelling these roads after sundown. You have no trouble finding someone to pursue your purchase your horse for 25 gold. The man to whom you sold the horse swiftly hands over the promised amount, and you leave the tavern only to find Colmere already waiting aboard his wagon. My beauties are ready, he says, waving his hand over the two powerful-looking horses, hitched to the front of what appears to be a relatively newly built wagon. A heavy white cloth covers the contents piled up in the wagon bed, and when you inquire about the cargo, Cormier seems to grow nervous again. Just a bit of paleo bar, he says, his answer coming across somewhat rehearsed. Fits is a pretty sum in telliness, for sure. Okay. Riding aboard Cormier's wagon proves much less tiresome than on horseback. With someone to talk to, the time passes with greater swiftness. Though you're quite guarded about what will reveal to your newfound companion, seems to take no interest in your reason for heading to Talos. He does inquire, however, about several of your past inventions, and seems to know a good deal about some of them. When you pass by the, by, by, by the spot on the road where the coach was attacked, the two of you fall silent as your eyes gaze at the charred remains of the stage. You say nothing to Carmet, but you have little doubt that the attack is the work of light of the lightning wielding assessments assailants that have dodged your every step, step since Trific. Eagonet bridges up ahead. This is Carmet as the road turns slightly north. Dura South's not far belonging. it. Sun's on its way down too. But I expect we'll be there before dark. The road widens, and in the distance, beneath the shadow of an overhanging forest, make out a pair of tall stone pillars that mark the western edge of the Eagle Neck Bridge. The bridge passes over a swift and wide stream, and Tommy tells you that the stone structure is several hundred years old. 
obviously draw close to it, you realise something is horribly wrong. Five bodies are strewn across the centre of the stone bridge. She poured nearly, recognised the attire to be that of Tyson soldiers. The corpses of the soldiers are somewhat charred, and your pulse immediately quickens. She eyes carefully scan your surroundings. By the All-Father! gasps Cormier, staring dead-eyed at the bodies of the slain men. What devil has come upon them? Before you can answer him, a loud crackle fills the air, and a pair of lightning bolts hurdle past you from behind, coming within inches of taking off your head. Colomir emits an unflattering scream and leaps from his seat, scrambling for cover beneath the wagon. Yeah, that, that's, that's the best place for you to be. You leap from the wagon as well and turn to find precisely what you expected. Four masked men, their heads clutching the fearsome iron lightning sticks you've come to despise, leap out of the woods and whoosh towards you. You tactfully position yourself to face the four of them, two at a time. Ah, I'm facing two master saints. Oh dear, this is the first time I've fought more than one at a time. Oh no! Your master's attackers swipe at you with their lightning sticks. Okay, they keep fighting and are slain. 22 XP. The first two assailants melt into pools of shadow at your feet and sliver off into the greater gloom of the woods. The second two are immediately upon you, two master assailants. Tying, ooh, the master attackers swipe at you with their lightning sticks. Tines of blue lightning strike you as your enemy unleashes a deadly enemy energy attack. Another energy attack for eight damage. Right, keep fighting, keep fighting. These are slain. 22 XP. The final, well-placed shot sends the last of your four assailants to the ground at your feet. Like the west, he swiftly melts into a pool of gloom and slivers off to join the shadows of the surrounding trees. My word! exclaims Colmere as he calls out from under the wagon. Surely those are the men who destroyed the coach. Were they even men? What devil is this? There's nothing of them left. Colmere is quick to apologise for abandoning you to fight. You'll forgive me, I hope, she says sheepishly, but I'm of little use in such matters. My bumbling and presence, I'm afraid, can only make things worse. You tell him that no apology is necessary, that moving the bodies of the slain soldiers to the edge of the world will quickly resume your journey. Cormier talks less frequently during the attack on the bridge, and he essentially is terrified. Why did not all share? Stare the seal of your nerves and offer a few words of reassurance to the companion. As the afternoon progresses, you begin to take note of something curious. Despite the sizeable load and the general weight of the heavy wagon, your two horses seem to pull it with hardly any effort. Indeed, several hours after tawny are, they're almost as fresh as when they began their toil. It's as if the wagon is practically gliding along the surface of the road. You're about to make mention of Zodicipler when he suddenly cries out and points ahead. You follow his finger and come to, and your eyes come to rest the lone, dark-robed figure standing in the middle of the road. Comia holds the wagon, but it's just so the sinister-looking figure melts into a broad pool of shadow. Out of the pool, out of the puddle of gloom, lies a pair of terrifying shapes. Okay, I suggest you hide under the wagon again, Colmere. 
because it takes time to set a wagon on fire. And I'm not going to give them that time. Two massive shadow beasts rise up from the pool of shadow and grow in stretch to an immense size before stalking along the road towards you. Shout for Cormac to take cover, even before the words leave your lips. He is rushing to the underside of the wagon. Yeah, yeah, that's just about the only place to hide. Soaring hard, your heart races. As your heart races, you position yourself to engage the first of the terrifying creatures of shadow. You defiantly battle a shadow beast. The shadow beast roars as it swipes out as if it's clawed hand of shadow. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, it is slain. 38 XP. The first shadow beast weavers into gloom. Into, into a pool of gloom and vanishes. Almost immediately, you are set upon by another shadow beast. You feel weaker as the opponent drains energy from your body for 12 damage. The shadow beast roars as it swipes out at you with its clawed hand of shadow. Keep swiping. Ooh! Drains 8 health for me. That is slain. 38 XP. A deafening war echoes through the woods as the second shadow beam melts into shadow and disappears. You step back and lean up against the wagon as you attempt to catch your breath. Commonly it appears from beneath the wagon with a horrified look affixed to his face. Samina quickly changes, however. He stares at you with <laughs> in amazement. The tales told about you are not exaggerating in the least. What earth creatures were these? I dare say that even, even you can't possibly run into those every day. What devil we horse this world? Being it's only right to do so, you explain to Cormier, the man who attacked the cage stage and, the, and who attacked you at the bridge, and even those strange creatures of shadow are seeking you. He listens with his eyes wise as you tell him that you have been followed for several days. Cormier immediately unleashes a bugrad of questions. Guarding the events to which you would continue to remain guarded in your answers, not willing to divulge, divulge too much, even to one who finds himself sharing in the danger. After all, if he knows something, he can be tortured for it. When you told Armand that he should turn at once turn back, and to continue with you is likely to leave, lead to further and possibly greater peril. Chasey said. Not much in a fight, he says nervously, but I have two good horses, strong horses and a good wagon. I could drive this team as good as any man a thousand leagues abound. If I can do nothing else, I can see you through to Talonus. Perhaps one day my name might appear in one of the tales they tell about you. And it is, it is, it's appearing right now. Colomir pauses and then, and then asks you something. Which you, which you yourself were about to ask him. He asks, asks you if the way the wagon is travelling, with its wheels almost drifting along the surface of the road, is your doing. You tell him it is not, but that you had, but you had also noticed that he seems relieved. Well, this at least bodes well, he laughs nervously. It seems maybe there's good devilry and bad devilry in all of this. A great adventure. I'm proud to be sharing with you, Zoop. I don't mind saying it. 
The wagon resumes its course along the forest roads, somewhat faster clip than before. Conomir turns to you and grins as the wagon rolls over the rugged terrain with nothing worse than the occasional small bump. Horses with area low don't tire easily. We'll be near south before we know it. You can't hope but agree. Agree with Colomir that this strange phenomenon seems at present to be a blessing, though you'll feel far easier about it if you knew its origin and purpose. And that finishes this scenario for 128 experience to general. Right, that's all I'm, I think that's, that's enough for this episode. The next one is The Road to Talonus Shaking Pursuit. But that is for next time. Now I'm going to save. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.